0: Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and
1: Rick Briggs. Welcome back to an all-new episode of the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show on AsylumFantasySports.com. We are Flieger and Briggs.
2: Welcome back into the Asylum. You know, drop us a line. AsylumFootball at gmail.com or Sports at gmail.com or call in
1: right now, 646 646- Four seven eight four six seven nine. That's right. On the tweeters at Asylum Football, let us know you're alive. You just write in to call us a couple of dummies, whatever yeah, it takes. Let I us mean, know you're living out there. Yeah, exactly. And Dean from Connecticut. Oh, we have we have word. Yes, things are start finally starting to come back together. We we had to apologize for this last yeah. about nine months of our. I lives told
2: you you get you get your Asylum out of the Year award before the season started. And by
1: God, he will. And I mean the regular. Season. <laughs> That's right. It's yeah. coming, buddy. It, it's here. It is yeah. in house. Finally, exactly. It, it's a beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, well, uh, don't piece get of too artistry. excited. I think it's good for yeah. for for this broke dick show it's pretty good i think <laughs> all right so we're gonna get that price back who is the uh the and, gentleman who won the league his donnie trophy. miles donnie miles mr miles if you're still listening all you guys are both probably said we can pound sand for <laughs> yeah. a bunch of snake oil salesmen your prizes are in-house and will be handled by our intern tomorrow yes yeah dean won't let us down it's, what? Two years running, we well, right. took we him could, to a title. I wish I could take myself to a title. Yeah, I've got Dean well taken care of, but yeah, I'm that's struggling right. a little It's bit. all matters. Our listeners, they come first. Absolutely. But made it, Rick, safely back from Canton, Ohio, the Pro Football oh. Hall of Fame, Fame 2015. What, what a great time. I love it out there. It was,
2: and I'll tell you what. Media Day, to me, is my favorite day of the year. It is just awesome. We got some great insight from, uh, you know, Hall of Famers, let's right. just face it. That's right. what they are. The Hall of Famers and got to ask a few questions. Not as many as I wanted to. It was Actually, cut short a little bit. I thought. Yeah, I thought they seemed like
1: they wrapped it up. A yeah, little they early. did. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Charles Haley, check out our site. He wrapped it up real early. That was a good one. Yeah. You yeah, know, if you thought the the cursing and carrying on in the uh, Hall of Fame in the induction speech was good, he did plenty of that in media day too. Yeah.
2: So check it out, AsylumFantasySports.com. Mr. Fligger was probably one of two, maybe three people that caught the audio. It was about a three second audio of. Uh, Charles Haley basically saying it was over with. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, you know, check not that out. Words he was done. But he we had up. some real, you know, some great insight from Jerome Bettis. Some hard hitting answers, I think, from Tim Brown. And I like Tim Brown.
1: He just, he just yeah. honest. He just
2: keeps no it doubt real. about that's, that. That's Ron Wolf was good. We apologize for the audio on the Ron Wolf when I was. uh kind of fighting my way in there and i was right in the middle of a question to ron wolf and some little chippy about 20 years old yeah. he was silly good good egg though you know silly bashed geek. into me and i think my mic must have came loose from my recorder for a spell because i didn't get some real great audio on that one but uh still a pretty good answer about the
1: old afl it's yeah, kind of cool we put it together i think you'll pick up what's going on so Rick, uh, let's get into fantasy football. That's what everyone is here for. I don't know. You want to spend any time on the Geno Smith bit? I mean, it's a funny story. That's you're about not, it. You're it's, not it's, a Jets fan.
2: I mean, it, I just think that this world has really come to a different place. Um, you know, just because, and and it's good for people like us because everybody's got a microphone, everybody's got a camera, this, That's that, right. and the other. But. A situation like this would probably have been handled in the locker room 40 years ago, and we probably wouldn't even have heard about it. Oh, you know, there was um, a collision and a shoulder hit and broke his jaw or something of that line. Or he was in an altercation, but it's over with this, that, and the other. I don't see... I, I I just don't. You don't remember any of this stuff back then.
1: The the only one that's being talked of, and it could be for what you're saying, or I tend to believe this just doesn't happen. You know, we can have the discussion about Geno Smith's leadership if you want to. I think it just doesn't happen. The only other one was Roger Staubach. I can't think of the guy's name. Who sucker punched him and Gil Brandt come out and said right away. So what they did to whoever that guy was that hit Staubach, they traded him away for the pick that eventually landed him Tony Dorsett. So that right. kind of worked out for the Cowboys. Yeah, exactly. I tend to think this is now just the second time this has ever happened in the league. But maybe you're right. Maybe these things happen and we don't. know I don't about know it. that.
2: You know, certainly I can't prove that obviously, but I think it does. I think it does say something for Geno Smith and. You know, I mean, I know this guy, he's the one that got hit and got the jaw broken, but I still think, you know, we talked about this on a different version of the show on the Fantasy Sports Network. If you pick a guy, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre. Oh, you'd have never seen this guy again. He'd have never
1: made it out of that locker room.
2: If anybody would have taken a swing at those guys, yeah, he, number one, if he lived out of the locker room, he'd been off the team. But I – they don't do that. No, no. To their leaders. That's, no. you know, that's the thing. That
1: tells you is not a leader, I think, is what that that's tells you. That's the point, You would never yeah. dream of doing that to one of those guys.
2: Right. I mean, I, you know, I mean, we see these old films of Johnny Unitas. Yeah, he's about six foot tall. I mean, you know, a buck 90. Ain't nobody hit that guy. No. And no, he was no. like a drill sergeant out there. I mean, he was a tactician. And, I mean, he was, I mean, he
1: yelled at Don right. Shula on the right. sidelines.
2: Well. I, I mean, that's. That's the whole thing. Yeah. He was
1: the leader of that team, Absolutely. period. Absolutely. And so you wouldn't see that there. Being this a fantasy show, Rick, I think you know the fam- fantasy impact out of this, as a guy who owns Brandon Marshall and pert near any league I drafted him because of the, the depths he's dropping to, a lot of times for the fears of the quarterback situation there, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't know what Geno Smith can become in terms of wins and losses. And there are still folks out there who believe he was on the right track And could lead that team to win. He's a very dynamic athlete. True. You compared him when Vic was there last year. Those two are very similar, and he could be that. But from a fantasy standpoint, for a Brandon Marshall, and to a lesser extent for an Eric Decker, Ryan Fitzpatrick's an upgrade as far as I'm concerned. If you look at a Ryan Fitzpatrick stat line, it's 18 for 31, something like that, 310 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. If, with that those types of yardage numbers and his ability really? to move the ball down the field, ultimately he's going to screw it up and lose the game for you. He's in no way mobile, anything like that. However, as owner an owner of his wide receivers, I think this bolsters their fantasy relevancy going into I at agree. least the early part of this season. I see Brandon Marshall and <laughs> Eric Decker both ticking up.
2: You know, and, and I just hate to keep harping on it, but, you know, you have to go – do the comparison of a, of a Geno Smith to, i tell you, another one to me, not quite as uh, – he, he's been scrutinized, and I'm not a believer in him, but a lot of other people are, Colin Kaepernick. I don't think this guy has that team on his shoulders. Doesn't seem like You look it. at Russell Wilson. You look at Teddy Bridgewater. You look at a, a Tony Romo. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger. There's no doubt who's leading these teams. Right. Simple as that. These guys aren't, and I I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has that. I don't know, just that persona that um, you know he's okay. I'm I'm taking you. This is where we're going. Let's go. Right. You know, and it may be like you said, 300 yards, three touchdowns, and three
1: picks. Right. But we're going to do it. Yeah, and and to to keep it in fantasy, I think. As a Brandon Marshall owner, I prefer that situation to definitely whatever type of offense you have to build around Geno Smith's skill set. Geno Smith's skill set isn't going to be throwing the ball forty times for, for three hundred yards. I, I just don't see that happening. So, Rick, I think the only other piece of news uh, we'll, we'll cover here before we get into the game that has completely swept the nation and now is gradually taking over the world: Factor Fiction. Is it, it looks like CJ700 has been offered a one-year deal by the Cardinals. I have no report still. It's been out there for two days that he has agreed to it, that he has signed that deal. Let's assume he does. So you don't see anybody else beating down the door. I don't know what better situation he could be waiting for. You know, CJ specific, number one, does he make an impact from a fantasy standpoint? Number two, do you ever remember one of these guys, old guys signing late that have had a fantasy impact at all?
2: Well yeah how old is he now? Thirty one?
1: Probably right around thirty right I don't 30. even know. I I can look that up while you uh Yeah, I I mean I think it I think he gives you a fantasy
2: impact if he does sign with the Cardinals. Number one, me being a fantasy guy, I'm not a real believer in Andre Ellington. I like the kid, but I think he's one of these Slight of build. I, I, he's not an every-down back. Chris Johnson, to me, is an every-down back. He's proven that. He's 29. He'll turn 30 on okay. September 23rd. I mean, he's still okay. I mean, he's hitting 30, but just now. So, I mean, I think he's okay that way. I mean, he's, he's basically a proven commodity. Albeit, he's nothing what he used to be. Let's not kid ourselves. But... I think he makes a fantasy impact by limiting the work of the other guys Bingo. that we were looking at. Bingo. Bingo. Okay? That I mean, that's first and foremost. And number two, he may prove to be the every down back that Arizona's looking for. Albeit it's an 800 or 900-yard season, he doesn't seem to get hurt. Andre Ellington can't seem to stay healthy. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think he will make a fantasy impact. Anything splashing, not really. No. But he's going to make an impact, just like I said, I think first and foremost, by limiting
1: Ellington's work. And And what's the other guy's name? Johnson, right? David Johnson. David Johnson, exactly. And I I think that's the point, and that's the only impact. Chris Johnson on the stat sheet – I believe has no impact. But what it does, you've already had questions about Andre Ellington. This is a guy based on sheer numbers for a certain percentage of the year last year that you would think would be a, a second-round type of guy this year, and he's not that guy. We have the concerns with the durability. Now, what he has is value in a PPR format. You look at David Johnson. He's been one of the, the hyped-up young guys, one of the guys that he's going to take the work away from Ellington. A lot of the reason the the questions for Ellington come up. Now you add a Chris Johnson to the fold. If you've got these three guys, these are three very dynamic players, Nobody seen, no, none of which that you seem to trust could be the guy. So I think you're seeing three guys get significant work, which for the Cardinals might, might be a boom. You've got three guys, three skill sets, three individual skill sets. It could be very potent in a team that with a defense good enough to go to the Super Bowl, maybe you can cobble together enough offense in that division to compete. However, not a one of them is going to have any type of fantasy impact if all three are who we think they are because they're going to be – Chris Johnson just isn't that guy anymore. No, he's not. Bottom line, it's that simple. But the thing is, I don't think they'd even be talking with him
2: if this hammy that David Johnson's nursing right now wasn't a little more concerned than what they're letting on. Right. I mean, they're already saying that he's iffy to play in the preseason opener. I mean, you know, we know how these hammies and stuff can go. They can go away in a week. They can last an entire season. Exactly. You just never
1: know with a hamstring.
2: But I think that they're they're trying to, you know, kind of a, you know get an insurance policy. What happens if they do sign Chris Johnson and Chris, David Johnson? You know, say the hamstring's okay. Now we really got a mess, right? So I mean, yeah, fantasy impact. Yeah, because if they sign him, he will get some work. Right. If David Johnson I, – I really think if David
1: Johnson's healthy going in, this guy's going to get a ton of work. I would think so. And Ellington has his place as well. He's a dynamic right. player, exactly. especially in the passing game. So I think it renders them all – it's probably all draftable, has bi-week injury replacement right. flexes. but. For all intents and purposes, useless on your fantasy squad, at least on a week to week basis. I-, I think that's what. Now, interesting that he hasn't signed yet. Yeah, we saw it with Pierre Thomas, yeah. too. Yeah, these guys are out of the league. They've got no jobs. you got teams coming and offering. I think when you're in this position, maybe I'm wrong, you've got to be of the mindset that you're going to play this next year for the veteran minimum. Pierre yeah. Thomas turns it down. Chris Johnson, he hasn't turned it down yet. But at the same time, usually the, you want to do it. Yep. Yeah, I can start now. Yeah, you got a pair of spikes I can borrow till yeah. I get home. It, interesting to me, but I'm going to assume he ends up inking this deal unless something else happens.
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm just wondering: Do these guys are they holding out, hoping for a drastic injury on somebody, and then Perhaps. hey, maybe I'll get more money, you know, to come in and fill that gap? But I tell you what, that's rolling the dice yeah, that are kind of loaded
1: against you. Yeah, that's a, that's a game of roulette there, you know. You, yeah. You're really hoping. But you just wonder in general. Well, let's say it happened. Let's say, God forbid, let's throw a name out there, Rick, uh, anybody. Who? Give me a running back who's in a situation that doesn't have anything real solid behind him. Um, Matt Forte. Okay, let's go. Matt Forte tears his ACL. I'm just knocking all over yeah. wood after I've been screaming about Matt Forte for for an entire off season here. Goes down and you bring Chris Johnson in. Let's stick with Chris Johnson or Pierre Thomas. I think they're probably pretty similar. The guy you're clamoring to have on your fantasy squad. I don't remember this ever working out in big numbers. You know what I mean? They can add. Some stability to a position can right. help out a team. But from a fantasy perspective, I wouldn't break the bank on any of these No, guys. I wouldn't either. I agree with you
2: 100%. I mean, it's going to happen somewhere along the line, I'm sure. And like you said, they provide stability. A little bit of uh, veteran leadership. But,
1: you know, any big impact? No. Any uh... – any thoughts on uh, Mike Mike Pettin throwing out there that the uh, Browns are at least giving a half a thought to Ray Rice and that move the needle for you at all? No,
2: I think that's a great place for him. <laughs>
1: it, it, <laughs> go in there and disappear like everybody
2: else? I mean, I, I just don't know what to, to make of Ray Rice. He has just taken a – you know, we were talking about Ray Rice
1: Before all this stuff happened. Right. Uh, From a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. I
2: mean, well, yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, from just a regular, you know, personal NFL standpoint, this is a little guy that runs like Larry Zonka. And, I mean, it was starting to show on him. I think his hip was in bad shape.
1: No question about it.
2: So would I? Yeah. There's another. There's another
1: choice. Would you clamor to get him if Cleveland picked him up? I wouldn't. No, no, not from a fantasy. What I find interesting, it's got nothing to do with fantasy football. It was just sort of weird that, by all reports, there was no actual contact made with Ray Rice. This is just something the Browns coaching staff is thinking about, and I think they just threw that out there to see what the reaction would be. You know, or are they gonna burn down Cleveland if you bring in Ray Rice. You know what I mean? They're just right. sort of taking the temperature is the because you know the day somebody signs Ray Rice, every local TV station in that city is gonna show that picture or that video of him pummeling his wife in that elevator over right. and over again. So they wanna know, and I think it has the public sentiment on this has almost died down because as egregious as this is, you've seen what's happened with Greg Hardy, you've seen all these other situations you don't want to make light of it, but it doesn't seem like as massive as a deal as it was back when it originally happened. I think the, with the initial shock, we never had video of this before. I think that initial shock is worn off, and I think that's what Pettin's doing. This is something they're kicking around, but he was going to wait and take the temperature of not only the media in Cleveland, but the media nationally. How is this going to be viewed if they do this? And most right. people's reaction were like yours. It, it was, eh. Yeah. Eh. You know, a year ago there would be none of this talk. All the national people saying, "Look, he paid his price." You know, at redemption, blah, blah. A year ago it would have been, "No, annex them from the league. They, they, they should be right. killed, all of them. I want heads on sticks." <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? This is yes. what they want. And now their firstborn. Right now, he here's our here's the short sighted nature of all our, our, our culture. Now everybody, yeah, like, eh,
0: whatever. Yeah,
1: <laughs> all man. right. Yeah. How does it affect my fantasy team? Not at exactly. all. All right. That's what it's all about.
2: I'm going to put a question to you. We right. were, since we we're kind of talking about the Arizona Cardinals a little bit here. You know, Rob Hauser was never anything significant in Arizona, correct? No, no, no. And he goes to Cleveland. Right. Right? So everybody's talking about Rob Hauser. Okay. Now, Carson Palmer's come back to, to Arizona. They picked up Jermaine Gresham. Okay. Okay. You know, I mean here's a guy six foot five, two hundred and sixty pounds, and he started for a number of years. They still have him like behind a Darren Fells. Okay. Do you see, okay, and be it a battle, I mean, whoever wins it, let's put it that way, Darren Fells or Jermaine Gresham. Okay. Do you see either of them being used? In this Arizona offense.
0: Not I mean, they've
2: already got they've already got Michael Floyd battling an injury. We've already talked about, you know, I mean, it's suspect running back core and you know, an aging Larry Fitzgerald. You got a guy like um Jermaine Gresham, and I, I don't know a whole lot of this Darren Fells, quite frankly. He's a huge guy, six foot seven, two hundred and eighty pounds. And uh, he only he played in ten games last year, only had five receptions. But that's not really indicative, no, uh, of anything because Hauser didn't have many catches either.
1: But I think that tells you everything you need to know there. That well, offense doesn't use the running back or the excuse me the tight end. But a guy a like Jermaine threat.
2: Gresham, who had sixty two catches last year, I mean, do you see them maybe trying to change
1: it using the, using this position a little bit? Maybe a little bit, but you're not going to change the offense enough to make this guy fantasy relevant. If you know now, look. No, I'm when not looking, really even looking fantasy relevant.
2: I just, I'm just trying to. It just seems to me you got, like I said, an aging Larry Fitzgerald. You got Michael Floyd who's already battling injuries. You know, backed up on both sides, Fitzgerald and Floyd, backed up by John Brown, and you have suspect running back core with Andre Ellington. I mean, Chris Johnson hadn't signed, and Johnson, not real sure about him with a hamstring. Right, you know, do you change things around, or do you just kind of
1: plow ahead and hope ever hope for the best? I think they'd be wise to, but it's not who they are; it's not what they do. I mean, you would think last year with that menagerie of rum dum quarterbacks they rolled out there when Carson Palmer <laughs> <Yeah>. went down, <laughs> right? That a lot of times a young quarterback leans on a tight end. You know, that we talk about that all the time when when you have some issues around the offense. Or we talk about it with Delaney Walker and Mariota, whoever, one of them 19 tight ends down in right. Tampa, whoever that's going to be for Jameis Winston, they tend to lean on it. Well, if these jerks couldn't didn't lean on a tight end, that's not who they're going to be. That's not their offense. So would it be wise? Gresham could be that guy. Yeah. He could certainly be. And when you've got guys like Floyd and Fitzgerald and Brown, for that matter, that's a receiving core you've got to contend with. Sure. You'd think you could run a tight end underneath that and do some damage, but it's not what they do. Right. You know, I mean, if, if anybody cared what I thought, you know, if they called me up and said, hey, Rick, what do you think we should do here? I'd say, let's turn Gresham loose, but I have no faith they're going to do it. I don't That either. said, you know, he's one of those interesting candidates candidates to sort of come out of nowhere in these best ball formats. When Once he got signed, I, I spent a lot of t- 19th, 20th, 21st round picks on Jermaine Gresham Hey, you never know. You know, if, sure. you're, if you're looking for a candidate, you're not thinking about to break out. That would be a guy who would do it, and I probably own him on three or four teams in best ball format. Yeah, especially but I'm certainly not going to lay any money. Especially
2: down on if it. you're a guy sitting there that drafted a tight end late to start with, maybe right. you have a. A Heath Miller or something like right. that. Yeah, throw a flyer on yeah, him. Maybe, maybe, maybe all of a sudden, hey, yeah, you know, maybe, come maybe. week
1: seven, this is my starter. Maybe you dummy into something. Right. Which, let's be honest. That's how most fantasy championships are won. You dummy into something. Or you listen to the Asylum. Well, you listen to the Asylum, you'll win championships. Ask Dean from Connecticut. Yeah, that's right. And you'll get your uh, your prizes no less than nine months after <laughs> the end of the season. But, Rick, <laughs> enough of that. It is time for the game show that has already swept the nation and is, oh, is it- we' sweet-
0: no, no, oh. it's not that. Damn. It's All fact.
1: Right. Or fiction. Or fiction. That's right, Rick. You know how it works. We throw out the scenario. We ask fact or fiction. Yeah, very simple. We
2: actually were working on a game. You know, is it Lamar or Ajayi? Well, but we decided to
1: go with fact or yeah, fiction. Yeah. That, that, you're sort of limited on that, <laughs> on that one. You know, is it Miller or uh, Ajayi? You know, and then Ajayi, and then the game's pretty much over. I don't know where you go from there. So, so we're gonna broaden it out. And we're gonna play fact or fiction. There we or go. Fiction. All right. Well, ooh, well, a nice fade there. Yeah, that was Cole. awesome. Thanks for Cole. that. All right, Rick, I'll let you start this out. Hit me up with a fact or fiction. I
2: think I will, and I think it's going to be a uh, pretty nice one here. Um, we've talked about this guy earlier on. So I'm going to give you a fact or fiction. Mike Evans is going to be
1: a top 12 wide receiver. yeah. Uh, you know what? I've been screaming it all off-season. I could be dead wrong, but I'm saying fiction there. It's not a good offense. Okay. Got a rookie quarterback, right?
2: I think they caught Suspect a bit of running back. Right.
1: I think you caught a little bit of lightning in the bottle there last. Year. I think what he did last—I don't know—is what he did last year enough to put him in the top twelve? Probably not. I think he's fantasy relevant, more than fantasy oh, relevant. He's a solid number 2 wide receiver. It's not how he's being drafted, Rick. I'm looking trying to look at ADP's right now here if I'm he's stammering. W- he's right bit. behind TY Hilton. Yeah, so 302 behind TY Hilton according to today's uh, fantasy football calculator. If you're questioning these, this is where we get that. So he's going ahead of Brandon Cooks, who you can make that argument with me. He's going ahead of Emmanuel Sanders. Boy, have we all forgotten about Emmanuel Sanders all of a sudden Explain right. that one to me, Rick. Going ahead of Hopkins, which a week ago, two two weeks ago, I'd have told you were nuts. Maybe you could make that argument. I still like Hopkins there. I like Jordan Matthews better at 35. I like Kelvin Benjamin better at 36. I like Andre Johnson better at 40, Rick. I think that's about where he belongs. So I I think that puts us in a, a mid to low second wide receiver i'd be happy to have him there but i'm not paying first wide receiver price for him. i agree 100 percent. all right all right rick well let's move on i'll tell you what let's yeah i'm gonna save that one that, that, that one might uh might go on for a little bit we got all kinds of time well that's true rick fact or fiction frank gore is a top two in terms of running back one or let's keep it simple. Frank Gore ends the season as a running back two.
2: I love Frank Gore going into the offense. Everybody loves Frank Gore. Is he do. the same age as you? No, he's about your age. Well, that's but, but old for a running back. No, I mean I I tell you what, I like this I I like this kind of um I don't know. It's almost like pushing all in for the Colts right now. You know what I mean? They signed Andre Johnson. They signed Frank Gore to go along with some of these young guys. And I think it has breathed, you know, a, a breath of life into these guys, albeit maybe only for this year, but that's what we're talking about. Right. And I think this offense is going to be dynamic. It's, it's right up there with Pittsburgh and, and Green Bay. Yeah, there's no question. And and I love um Frank Gore. Cap uh,
1: possibilities with this offense. I am starting to fear something you just said. And you got to quit reading my mind like this. Your argument that you're shoving all in on the Colts, my question was going to be, are we shoving too all in on the Colts? Look, we know this is going to be a great offense. Sure. We both agree. Andrew Luck's one of the two best quarterbacks in the NFL this season. Okay. When we're ranking our fantasy quarterback. All right. Are we going too far? Where does it end? What do you mean where does it end? All right, so we love T. Y. Hilton. Okay. We love Andre Johnson. Okay. Yeah, people are d- drafting Dante Moncrief for Christ's sake. Well, we're he not talking Dante Moncrief. Moncrief. But but where does it end? Well yeah, I Frank think Gore. I think
2: it ends with Frank Gore, T Y Hilton, and Andrew Luck, quite frankly.
1: I think T.Y. Hilton may finish as a number two only because there is such a lack of quality backs in the league. I think if this is five years ago, the numbers he's going to produce, they're not going to be what we think. I think where he saves himself, I think there's going to be a lot of touchdowns. I think he, that gives them something they didn't have last year. I don't expect big yardage out of him. I don't expect a big workload out of him. I, I really don't. We have been trying to put the last spade of dirt on this man for four seasons for four seasons, and now all of a sudden, because he leaves San Francisco, where he was the primary focus of the offense for so many years, to become a secondary piece in that Indianapolis Colts, now we're not even having the discussion. Now we're crowning him. You're basically putting him into the Asylum Fantasy Football Hall of Fame for this one season. I'm not so comfortable with that. Rick. Oh, I'm very. I comfortable think he's going to produce. Holy hell! <laughs> okay, <laughs> listen to
2: listen to what you were saying though. Okay, yeah, he was the focus in San Francisco, right? Right. But San Francisco offense, especially the last couple of years, have sucked. No, oh, I, I okay? agreed, and they still couldn't stop him. All right, you look at some of these Colts offenses, Denver offenses. You know these potent offenses, Pittsburgh offenses, Green Bay offenses. All right, I mean, you say where does it stop? You look at Green Bay. You got Rodgers, you got Lacy, you got Cobb, you got um, Jordy Nelson. All right, Pittsburgh, you've got Bryant, you've got Brown, you've got
1: Le'Veon Bell, you got Ben Roethlisberger.
2: I mean, you know, it, but it, to put Frank to,
1: Gore in the conversation well, with Eddie Lacey and. No, but you're talking RB2. You're not talking right. RB1. I understand that. But you're, we're talking comparable offenses. So I oh, think, 100%. Well,
2: that's the point. I but think he's not
1: the dynamic player these other running backs are in these offenses. But we're not calling him that.
2: We're calling him an RB2. We're not calling him an RB1. Are you saying, hey, is Frank Gore going to be an RB1? Hell no. He's going to be an RB2. <laughs> Maybe.
1: I'm well, not so well, confident. Well, you're saying, I, I, you <laughs> asked me if it was
2: fact or fiction. <laughs> By damn, it's fact. Ajayi. Right,
1: that's, well, well, there you go. If they had him, this wouldn't even be a discussion. Well, yeah, I like this. Your your passion for Frank Gore, right? this will be one to jot down. I like it.
2: Well, I mean, you know, it, it's. I, I just was tr- not trying to you shove Frank Gore it. down your throat. I think but, you are. But I think you were trying to get off, kind of off the rail a little bit, saying, well, he's not Eddie Lazier or Le'Veon Bell. No, he's not but we're talking rb2 now he is could be anywhere from 13
1: to 24 and that's still rb2 numbers Right. i think i'm extremely comfortable with that here's my only concern and and you're probably right i probably tried to squeeze him into that top top echelon which we're not even arguing about although it gives us a reason to scream at each well, other yeah, so it's yeah is what this show is really all I'm about exactly <laughs> so but my point is we have been concerned since 2010 that he was over, that he was done, that he was too old, anything you want to make. He's taken too much of a beating Exactly. I don't think going to Indianapolis assuages those concerns for me, if that makes any sense. You look at guys historically like Sean Alexander when he fell off the table. That was still a pretty good offense he was on there. You, You could name Clinton Portis, all these guys who just one year woke up and it was over. I don't think that goes away just because he's with that Colts offense. So I still have the same concerns I've had the last three preseasons about Frank Gore. You've been wrong the last three You're right, but that's the point. Eventually, I'm going to be right here. Well, has got to break down at some point. And I don't think the fact that he's in Indianapolis makes that go away at all. No, I think you still are concerned with Frank Gore. But I
2: actually think that this is such – I mean, you know, he goes from being the focus of the offense, which always worried us, to now he's not the focus. And, you know, everything isn't riding on Frank Gore. And, and I think it's just a beautiful situation for him. When you have a T.Y. Hilton, Andre Johnson, you've got, you know, of course, Andrew Luck. And you've got a pretty – you know, a couple of decent tight ends as well. Right. I mean, I think there's so much – Pressure taken off of Frank Gore. I think this is a great situation for him.
1: All right. Whew. A lot of Frank Gore talk. Passionate what? Frank Gore. Something? Talk. All right, Rick. Who'd have I, thought
2: Frank Gore would have
1: just dreamed that one up, yeah, huh? Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. I believe you're 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 firing away here, Rick. All right. It is
2: fact or fiction. Martavis Bryant
1: is going to be. Wow, this is a dramatic way of asking this question.
2: I'm trying to figure out how to really to word All it. All right. I mean, I think you know where I'm going with this. I got an idea. And
1: okay, I'm going to say a top I'm going to say a top 24 wide receiver. Ugh, boy, that is so You know what? I'm I'm almost going to do this just because it's almost a contrarian opinion. For whatever reason, all the donkeys in our industry have decided every year they, they pick somebody out. This guy's going to be the high riser, like uh, Malcolm Floyd was last year, and they pick a guy who performed just completely out of his mind and hold him down. Now let's look at this for a minute, Rick. You know, a, a guy we talked about was it this show last show that it was this show, but I don't understand why Emmanuel, why Emmanuel Sanders has fallen so far. You saw what he did last year. Right. I think right now this Steelers offense is comparable to those Denver Broncos offense. If they're not on the exact same plane, they're damn close. I think that Martavis Bryant is the Emmanuel Sanders of this offense. I think you're going to try and shut down A.B. He's going to draw double coverage. While I still think he's going to get his numbers, we've seen what Martavis Bryant can do. This kid come in and average a touchdown a week. You wonder about his health. You know, he was nicked up going into the year. He's nicked up going into this year. There's concerns about that. If he is healthy, look, if there's one thing, you know, something we've been privy to here in the Pittsburgh era. Ben Rothisberger's entire career since Plaxico Burris left. What what did he say every offseason? He always wanted a big receiver. That's what he was most vocal about. He's finally got that guy. I think Antonio Brown's going to get the catches in the yards. You know, I think you're going to struggle there. Martavis Bryant's going to be a touchdown machine. Defenses are going to be, look, you've got to focus one and two on Bell and on Brown. And you've got a guy as dynamic and as solid and as big and as fast and with good as, as good a hands as Martavis Bryant. I don't see any reason he can't. Health is the concern. This is two offseasons in a row he comes in banged up. If he's healthy, I don't see any reason he can't because I think he's the Emmanuel Sanders of this offense. He is Reggie Wayne to Marvin Harrison in those old Colts offenses, and these guys all put up numbers. And I don't see any reason why Martavis Bryant can't be that guy. Hey, I agree
2: with you. I mean, you know, you talked about um, the Pittsburgh offense. I mean, not only you have Levy on Bell, but you got Marcus Wheaton and you got Heath Miller in there too. Takes a lot of pressure off these guys. You know Antonio Brown's gonna be dragging coverage all over the place. And you know, if if you start trying to just blanket Brown and Bryant, you know Wheaton and Miller's gonna kill you or right. Bell. Right. You know, take your poison, but you know, it, it's I agree with you. I think it's this offense, if it
1: stays healthy and intact, it's unstoppable. Exactly. And you're going to be there were times, Rick where even for periods of games, and I feel like, and I don't have Demarius Thomas's numbers in front of me, where he was sort of quiet last season as Emmanuel Sanders and Julius Thomas were putting up those cartoon-like numbers. I think you're going to see similar things with Antonio Brown. It's ultimately going to be unsuccessful, just like it was with Demarius Thomas, but you're going to have to try and take away, in this case, Bell and Brown, Who's the next guy up? It's Martavis Bryant, almost by default. If Ben Roethlisberger and the rest of this offense is as good as we believe it is, by default, Martavis Bryant is going to benefit from all of the extra attention you have to give these other two guys.
2: No question about it. And actually, ADP's right now, he's going... What, 502? He's 21st in wide receivers, which everybody's thinking he's a, he's a WR2. Yeah, and you read so. all
1: summer, spring and summer, that this is the one everybody liked to take shots at. I, I think it's a mistake if you pass up a Martavis Bryant. I agree. I right, I agree. Here we go. This one's going to be a little convoluted. Try to follow along with okay. me. You'll, you'll understand what I'm getting at. Fact or fiction? All right, let me start with this. This doesn't oh, fit in. Okay. You love David Carr. You love Latavius Murray. You mean Derek Carr? Or Derek Carr. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm thinking of his brother. Nobody loves David Carr. You love Derek Carr. That's your man. You love Latavius Murray. Everybody loves Amari Cooper. So with that said, Rick, fact or fiction, the Oakland Raiders are good enough for those three men to be relevant fantasy players in 2015.
2: I think they're going to be relevant, obviously. Yeah, no,
1: I mean, I think that's
2: just an obvious question. How relevant is probably the degree is what you're looking for. Now, if you're saying Derek Carr is a top, you know, is a QB1,
1: plus Murray will be an RB1, and and Cooper a WR1. I'll go 1-2-2. Give me Carr is a one because you're not playing two quarterbacks. Are they good enough? Because here's how they're being drafted, Rick, by and large. Is Carr good enough to be a number one? Is Murray good enough to be an RB2 and is Cooper good enough to be a wide receiver too? Now individually depending where they're at, I think the question the answer is yes to all those questions but are the Raiders good enough for that all to come to fruition? You know the, the, for Derek Carr
2: to be a QB1, I might say no. I mean I've been saying he's going to be a top 15 quarterback all preseason. And I mean, it, it's just tough to throw him ahead of, you know, some of the guys like Eli Manning, Matt Stafford, and so forth. I think he has a shot at it, but to say, yeah, he's going to be a QB one, I, you know, I I can't say that. Conversely, I'd I'd think that uh, Murray is an RB two easy. I, I think he, it's he's a big bruising back, and they've beefed up that O line. Uh, in the off season, I think he's RB two material easy. Now going with Cooper, I think a lot of that goes hand in hand with Carr. Right. I I think Carr, I say, I think he has a chance of being a top fifteen quarterback this year. And I think they're all. I think this team is going to be fantasy relevant. Are they going to be a QB one and then two and two? Eh, maybe not. But I can see two two two. Possible. This this division isn't as dynamic as it was a couple of years ago. And no. let's face it, there's no cupcake division. I I, I see that, but Denver, you know. Denver not quite the same. Kansas
1: City, you don't know what you're gonna. They may be three and thirteen. They may 13 be thirteen and three. And exactly. You have no, It's gonna be one of those two. I promise you. I just don't know which one. And it is. San Diego's beatable every week, right? So or they can blow your doors off every exactly. week, and they've done that for ten years. The most damnably right. frustrating <laughs> team in the league. I don't understand. It
2: is. I mean, it, and it's a rough division to figure out. The only thing that we have figured out in the last few years is that Oakland stinks in this division. We do know that, but I think that I'm they, comfortable with that. I, yeah, we get used. <laughs> it's to nice that. to have something you can count on. But they're improving, which is really going to make us more frustrated. Yeah, I
1: don't care for that. Not I, one I, bit.
2: You know, yeah, I think they're going to be fantasy relevant. I think all three of those players are fantasy relevant. I think all three of those players belong on a fantasy squad, or all of them a starter. Week in and week out, maybe not. I'm going to say Murray will be. Okay. Cooper, most of the time. And a three-receiver flex league, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And Carr, I think a lot of it just depends on his development, but I really think this kid has a chance to be a
1: top 15 quarterback. All right, Rick. And I know that just kills you when I say that because – The Raiders stink. That's what they do. They're <laughs> supposed to stink. I don't think... I, I'm not sure there's enough to go around. That's my hard-hitting analysis on
2: that one. Yeah. well, You're probably right on that, yeah, but you just never I know am. what team might not. Okay, now, we're going to go with a fact or fiction here because you kind of brought this guy up. Um, I'll tell you what. Let's, let's go this direction. I like this a little bit better. Deshaun Jackson is going to be
1: WR2 this year. Where'd all this Deshaun Jackson love come from all of a sudden this year? I don't know. We had him dead and buried last year. He had a couple of Deshaun Jackson-type games, and now we're all losing our mind. Uh, No, we aren't. Well... When I say we, the collective short-sighted fantasy owners of the world, I put ourselves in that group. Let's look at the facts. RG3 is a disaster. He's horrific. Agreed. And even if he's getting better, he's got a head coach that hates him. He wants him dead. He wants him gone. I believe I said on another show, he wants to put him on a dinghy in the Potomac and just push him (laughs) and hope he winds up anywhere else but in Northern Virginia. So that's number one. You've got a coach who, when when you're the quarterback and your coach is clamoring for Colt McCoy, that's got to shake your confidence just a little bit. Agreed. You have a true number one, at least in terms of volume reception guy, and Pierre Garçon. You have, if either can stay healthy, Niles Paul went down today and all the concerns with Jordan. Those tight Williams. ends. I, I cannot think about those you're tight right. ends at all. Right, but if. At some point or other, you've got realistic tight ends in that lineup. This team was built this year to run the ball, which is why I am falling faster and faster in love with Alfred Morris as the days pass. They're out there telling RG3 a lot because of the way he's played and because of their hatred for him. You're to be plain. You're to be vanilla. We're not doing all this RG3 nonsense. You're just going to manage the offense. They drafted Sheriff. They bolstered the offensive line. They bolstered the defensive line. This is the way they're going. So when you got a guy like Deshaun Jackson, who's the one trick pony type, I so number one, there's your first issue. He's just a deep threat. So on a given week, he could win you a game. Sure he can. Because he could get three or four, because that's all he's gonna get, but he could get it for a buck twenty and a touch maybe he can get 1169
2: to yards last year on 56 grabs. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. That's who
1: he's going to be. Now. So, I, here here's the problem. And I used to argue this with Maurice Jones-Drew and I think the numbers prove me to be a liar. But but you you get where I'm going with this is that maybe at the end of the year, the total numbers will put him in the top 24 of fantasy wide receivers. I'm, I still don't think that happens. But even if it does, on a week-to-week basis, this guy is going to kill you. I'm not going to play him as a WR2, or even a WR3 for that matter. Because three out of four weeks, I'm going to get two for 41 three for 18, yeah, crap like this, Right. waiting for that fourth game where he catches four or five for the buck 20 in the touch. That's where even if the total numbers the 1,100 yards and on the right. 50 catches and however many touchdowns, perhaps that puts him even in the top 36 of fantasy scoring wide receivers. On a week-to-week basis, he's not going to perform at that level. Yeah, he, so, was, he was roughly 19 last year in fantasy scoring, right. believe that or not. The, the, total. Right, But on a week-to-week basis, he will crush your soul. He and, will. And, and I'm
2: look, He's as a, a killer.
1: A, as a, all coming off my bench, as a bi-week flex guy, maybe even as an every-week flex. But we're talking in a three-receiver league with a flex, he's that fourth guy. There I'm okay with him. But before that, no. I absolutely don't view him as an every-week fantasy play. All right. Whew. Boy, that took a lot out of me, Rick. I, I'm passionate about Deshaun Jackson for some reason. I don't understand why. All right, Rick, let's go through the list here. I- I'm going to lob you up a softball here. All right. And it's just to have the conversation. I know full well, and anybody who listens to this show more than once knows what the answer is going to be. Fact or fiction, Rick, Jonathan Stewart plays more than 12 games in 2015. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know why
2: I ask. I think artist Payne is going to be starting by week six. I wrote that... Uh... God, two months ago for um, the Fantasy Greeks uh, two thousand fifteen draft guide, and by means all means go get it, Absolutely. fantasygreek.com. dot uh, com yes indeed. And no. This guy's not an R B one, he's not an R B two. I think Artis Payne's gonna be the man before the you know, we get halfway through the season. And I'm not going to believe in Jonathan Stewart until he plays 16 games and rushes for 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns.
1: Boy, that would be nice, wouldn't it? That's not going to happen, obviously. But, boy, he's getting a lot of love, and he's gotten it for years. People love this kid. And it's because when he touches the ball, Rick, he could be one of the best running backs in the league. I mean, what's he average for his career? 4.6 4.6 yards a carry, this kid, when he touches the ball, he makes it happen. He can't stay healthy. He won't stay healthy. Stop believing that he, he will. He refuses
2: to stay no, healthy it, it, on
1: purpose, I think. I mean, if you look at his games, in 2008 and nine, he played 16 games, but he was behind D'Angelo there. Then 14-16, 9-6-13, most attempts he's ever had was at 221 back in 2009. He averaged 5.1s a car- 5.1 yards a carry. This is the Jonathan Stewart we all see, but going forward, look, the yards per carry still there, but 12 and 13, it was 3.6 and 3.8. 175 carries last year, 48 the year before, 93 the year before that. He can't handle a major workload. Nope. And uh, and the thing is, the coaching staff knows that. Exactly. This we've this isn't a short small sample size. No. This is a yeah, what, what do we got? Six-year sample size on this kid. This is who he is. He can handle about 175 carries a year. That's the kind of player he is. And look down right. I mean, and
2: I don't think it's. I don't think he's being overdrafted. Look who he's being drafted with with running backs. He's right down there with Carlos Hyde. Yeah, Basically, an unproven commodity. Correct. Andre Ellington. Same issues we talked about. Todd Gurley, he's already had blown knees. Right, C.J. Spiller, we've never believed in him. He's always hurt. T.J. Yeldon's a rookie. Rashard Jennings. Amir Abdullah, LeGarrette Blunt, who's suspended and pulled a hammy anyway. And Doug Martin. I mean, this is all within his realm, and that's where he belongs. I mean, because that's about what he's equivalent to. I mean, I, I think actually getting off the subject a little bit, you look at Jonathan Stewart at 4.06, and Gio Bernard's at 6.09. That's crazy to me. To me, that's insane. And I mean, Giovanni Bernard, maybe not the workload that Jonathan Stewart is intended to get by the, right. by the time the season's over with. He's going to have more of a workload and more points.
1: I absolutely
2: agree 100%. All right, I'm going to throw you one. You know what? I think I'm going to go... I think that's what I'm going to do. Oh, you got that
1: evil look in your eye. Well, this is one of your favorite positions. Oh, okay. You ready? Julius
2: Thomas. Oh, boy. Is going to be a top six tight end.
1: I'm not willing to jump off this kid. Really? I am stealing him all over the place. All right, now I'm about to break news. Everybody hold on to something. Or If you're in your car, strap on your seatbelt. Make sure you got it tight. Blake Bortles isn't Peyton Manning. All right, let that, wow. let that sink in for a minute, everybody. Okay, pause. I'm not making that claim. This kid's big. He's got great hands. He's completely uncoverable. He is not going to have the opportunities he had with Peyton Manning, I grant you. He is a tremendous, tremendous weapon for a young quarterback in a young offense. He is well, yeah, that, that might be going too far. Let, let, let me back off of that one a little bit. Oh, I'm ready. but point being, Rick, number one, it's because more because of what's around him. And especially you factor in this Antonio Gates thing, and actually the the one I'm going to ask you next falls right into this category. But you got Gronk, you got Graham, you got Olson. Right now, I'm thinking about Julius Thomas, Rick. Maybe Bennett, maybe. But like Scott Fish said on the show, was it last week or the week before? He does it all in the first four or five games of the year. That that's Martellus Bennett's bit. Look, Julius Thomas. Gives them options that they didn't have. Blake Bortles showed flashes last year of being a legitimate NFL quarterback.
0: All
2: right.
1: Gronk or Thomas? Gronk. Graham or Thomas? Graham. Olson. Olson. Bennett. Thomas. Really? Absolutely. All right. Okay. Kelsey. Thomas. Ertz. Thomas. Daniels. Thomas. See. Yeah, yeah. To me, he's way overvalued. Nah.
2: I, yeah. Olsen?
1: You, you, or not Olsen. No. Tom, or Who the hell did you just say? Julius Thomas. Yeah, but against who? Uh, Owen Daniels. I think you're shoving in too much on Owen Daniels here. But it's
2: not even Owen
1: oh, Daniels. Okay, Delaney Walker. Thomas. Okay, Jason Witten. Witten.
2: Okay. See, that's how crazy some things are. Julius Thomas right now is going at 707. Jason Witten's nine eleven, right? And I mean, to me, that's insane. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think so many people are shoving all in on Kelsey and
1: Thomas. Don't Be- spend too much time on Kelsey because you're stealing my next question. Okay, I'm not. I'm not going to. But you know, it,
2: okay, we we just saw two guys that you had mentioned, uh, Greg Olson and Martellus Bennett. If I'm not mistaken, reception wise, I think they were one and two last year right. for tight ends. They're Automatically, both of them are behind Travis Kelsey.
1: But again, you're jumping ahead. Okay. Uh, let's just get into the Kelsey. You obviously know what the next question All is. All right, go be. ahead. So Sorry. this can be a Thomas and a Kelsey conversation. Okay. What about Kelsey? Let's just jump right into it. We only got five minutes left, anyhow. We'll, we'll call the game wrapped up. I win. Way to go, Flieger. Good job again. Ajayi, Ajayi won. All right, we'll give it to him. <laughs> Last year, Travis Kelsey and uh offense that has to make you nervous if your name, if your fantasy player isn't named Jamal Charles. He had sixty-seven grabs, eight hundred and sixty-two yards, and five touchdowns. That's right. a fine, fine that's season. That's a great year. When did he start getting mentioned with the likes of Gronk and Jimmy well, Graham? Based on that, I don't understand that. That's, that's... Or Julius Thomas, for that matter. Let's just say Julius Thomas was still in Denver, and we weren't having this conversation. Kelsey's being drafted along with those guys. Where are we seeing this potential in this kid? And it's got nothing to do with Travis Kelsey. I have every reason to believe if Kelsey was in Indianapolis, or he was in Denver, and he was, in, or he was in Pittsburgh, he would catch a hundred balls this year. I have no doubt about it. He plays for the Kansas City freaking Chiefs, and that maniac Andy Reid, who you just he could just make guys disappear for three weeks. That's what he does. These fourth and fifth round selections of Travis Kelsey just just, just completely blow my mind.
2: Okay, you just mentioned Kelsey. 67 catches, 862 yards, and five touchdowns, right? That's what I said. That's very similar. A little bit better, but very similar to 66 catches, 761 yards, and three touchdowns, right?
1: Sounds pretty close. You're the math guy.
2: Well, I know, but I mean, I'm just throwing this out at you. That's... That's the point. He's not even in the same stratosphere as Heath Miller. And that was Heath Miller's numbers.
1: That's surprising. Heath Miller's numbers were that high. Well, no,
2: it's really not. I mean, to me, it is. But that's the point. Martellus Bennett had 90 catches last year. Greg Olsen had 84. Jimmy Graham had 85. Gronkowski had and we can hold that a bad
1: year for Jimmy Graham.
2: Well, irrelevant. I mean, what we're talking about is just the whole, Antonio Gates has sixty nine catches more than Kelsey, but he had twelve touchdowns, you know, to Kelsey's five. I just I'm I'm with you. I'm trying to agree with you that I don't know why all of a sudden he's thrown up into this stratosphere of elite tight end. Right. I don't get it. And I'm not going to draft him as such. If given the choice between Travis Kelsey and Greg Olson, it's certainly Greg Olson. If it's Martellus Bennett, I know you took um, Julius Thomas over him. But are you taking Kelsey over Martellus Bennett? No, I don't think I I'm am. not. There's 22 catches difference, and I just I just don't understand it. And you know, do I see? I just don't see anything spectacular evolving from this no it's i mean this a is a guy he's in this is a guy that had five touchdowns last year on an offense that had no touchdowns thrown to wide receivers right he
1: should add 15 They're, just based
2: on that <laughs> exactly i agree I, I mean i just you know i i'm sorry i think this guy's about number s- how many eight? games did
1: the chiefs win last year what did they win i don't remember they made the playoffs right 10 11 i can't remember so they had zero touchdowns to wide receivers they had five to tra- Travis Kelsey. Who the hell got in the end zone? When yeah. did they score? Charles didn't, even Charles have that didn't many. put up big numbers. Who scored for this team? Defense, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, it's just, just sort of dawning on yeah, me. Yeah, certainly wasn't Dwayne a, Bowe. No, this was a good team last year, and nobody got in the end zone. How did they score? I don't know. I mean, I, the I, kicker didn't break any records. They no. didn't win a bunch Unless of Unless I pulled everything up. I, I have really no idea. I know... Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy, and isn't it? it boggles the mind. It is does, what it does. But, but bottom line, back to Julius Thomas, real quick. Obviously, so you have him. What, Rick? Probably down around ten. All right, back to you, Delaney Walker, Julius Thomas. I think I go to Walker. All right, I'm trying to find a line. If it wasn't for Gate, we'd have Gates ahead. If he wasn't hurt, you know that's probably the line because you're going to take him over. I, w- Ethan Aller, I would. Right? I would
2: take Gronk over him. Yeah, I give me take- the guys you take. Okay, over Okay, Gronk, Graham, Olson, Bennett, um, Witten, Walker. I'm still taking Owen Daniels over him, and then that's probably the line. So you're taking him over Kelsey, though. Yeah, I I think Julius Thomas and Kelsey, to me, are are a coin flip. And I know that the way Kelsey's getting drafted,
1: you know, a lot
2: of of people are going to be going, oh, you're crazy. No, I'm not. I mean, you know, I I think it's a coin flip.
1: So if he was still in Denver, where would you slot Julius Thomas? Oh, I'd put him at – if he was still in Denver, I would probably put him at three. I don't think he drops that significantly. I think you can build an offense around a cat like that. I I really truly believe that, Rick. I think a Blake well, Bortles can I utilize think, him. I think Julius Thomas
2: would have been ahead of Jimmy Graham if he stayed in Denver. Consequently, Graham going to Seattle, um, and Thomas going to Jacksonville. I put Graham ahead of him. Okay, so there already there's Gronk and Graham. Olson, I love Greg Olson. I think him Not and Cam man. Newton have yeah. There's no doubt about it. So he's three. You know, I still like Bennett over him, and I like Owen Daniels in Denver over him. I'm, I'm monitoring that because I mean, there's there's talk that he may not be the guy that right. that everybody's thinking. But I, I'm betting on him a little bit right now. Hey, you're
1: all you're all in on Owen Daniels. I'll, and, if and, you hit on that one, you're, you're, that'll be one we can replay. And Jason Witten.
2: I mean, he's just a solid guy. And, right. and, and I mean, I think that's that's the line right there. You know, now you're at Julius Thomas and
1: Travis Kelsey. So flip a coin to me. All right. Well, uh, well, we'll agree to disagree on that one, Rick. But we are all out of time here for this week's episode of the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. Thanks so much for joining us. Check us out at Asylum Football on Twitter. Head on over to AsylumFantasySports.com. Get all our, all our sound clips. I'm getting some pictures up there. Everything from Hall of Fame weekend 2015. You're going to want to check that out. Some great stuff.
2: Yeah, great. I mean, great insight from Jerome Bettis, hard-hitting answers from Tim Bryan, and a lot of other cool stuff from guys like uh, Will Shields. Will, not Will. Oh, Will Shields. Yeah, Will Shields. Ron Wolf was excellent. And uh, I mean, it was, and, and then the price was
1: three seconds of gold from Charles Haley. Absolutely. Saturday, one o'clock, one o'clock PM Eastern, Cablevision Channel one forty seven. For, for those of you in the New York area, fantasysportsnetwork.com, you can hear another version of the show. Otherwise, we will be back next week, same time, same channel. Until then, we'll see you. Take care. Take
0: care. To our kids who kept us here going since way back limits we living like it might be our last night of living mixing pleasure and business making drop popping tops on mason jars fuller this season's best crop we, we, we parted till we drop wake up party tomorrow Ain't no reason to go if you ain't going hard If anyone deserves a celebration, that'd be us have been working so hard for the last nine months Studio to the bus, from the bus to the stage Back to the bus Wake up next day the same thing Then it's back to the kitchen Cooking up something delicious 180 proofing them switches Of paper. sun up to sun down, take it straight with no